0: The International Olympic Committee has the honor to announce that the games of the 35th Olympiad are awarded to Brisbane, Australia. (laughs)
1: start for Australia, gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners, Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. he's got it, 9-8-4, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score, 10.0 for Dasha Tabanici, a perfect score. The
0: first time I've ever seen any-
1: in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals of the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt,
0: sprinting ahead, winning by
1: Daylight, and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for a very, very exciting episode, particularly if you are Australian like we are all today. We've kicked the Canadian off. We don't care about him today because... It's all about us, it's all about Australia, we come from a land down under and we come from a land that's about to host our third Olympic Games in a third different city, it's history making day today in the history of Australia and the Olympics, Brisbane have officially been awarded the 2032 Olympics, everyone knew it was going to happen, we sort of planned this emergency episode to happen but who cares, it's official, Thomas Buck said it, so therefore it's official and we're excited. My name is Ben and I'm very excited to welcome a guy back to the show who lives in the last city that hosted an Olympics in Australia, uh, Mr. Jared Lubick. Jared, uh, welcome and uh, a
0: momentous day for Australian Olympic fans. It is. I feel like uh, it's appropriate as Sydney that we kind of pass the torch on to Brisbane. (laughs) Um, Love the fact that they're going to host the games in winter, which may be the closest we ever get to a Winter Olympics. Yep. but, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's so exciting. Um, I felt like it was a foregone conclusion, but, um, I mean, just to have it confirmed is great.
1: Yeah, and I also will add, as somebody in Hobart right now, the city that should be hosting the Olympics right now, I feel like it's appropriate that I'm also on this uh, episode as well. But, yes, uh, what a what a day. Uh, as you said, foregone conclusion. This was all but essentially confirmed earlier this year when the IOC were like, they're our preferred host And uh, you kind of hope you're going to get it when there's no other candidates against you. It would be a bit embarrassing if all of a sudden they voted no, Brisbane, you can't have the Olympics. But uh, it was officially confirmed earlier this evening, uh, the IOC 108th session uh, in Tokyo. Basically, I sat down and watched most of this. I think you did as well. Uh, Lovely little presentation from the crew, the squad that flew over to Brisbane. We had ScoMo chilling in his office, jumping up and down, giving the thumbs up. Oh, celebrations galore. And essentially the vote came down to out of 80... Uh, people I believe Uh, 72 said yes 5 said no and I think 3 basically didn't vote so um, don't know why Uh, but uh, I want to find out who these 5 people are that said Mm. no but uh, yeah a unanimous decision Um, again not unexpected But, I mean, it it feels nice to have it confirmed, though, because it's kind of, I I do love the good old news services in this country. I'm reading a headline literally right here saying that um, the Brisbane Olympic uh, bid is not a done deal, according to the IOC. So, oh, a bit of late drama, apparently, according to the ABC. But uh, here we are. But, I mean, Jared, you're, you're obviously a bit younger than me. I don't know how old you would have been back when Sydney got. I mean, do you have any memory of 1993 of Sydney getting the Olympics, or are you a little bit too young for that? slightly
0: too young for that one
1: yeah i i mean i remember it i was six and i think i remember before going to school seeing it all on tv because i think it was announced very very early in the morning and of course uh, his excellency won antonio Samaranch famously basically said the winner is city uh which was obviously there but i mean we got the sort of iconic voice of thomas bark we heard at the beginning of this episode uh, the game to brisbane I don't know how I felt, though, about this kind of front row seat of uh, Anastasia and the gang basically just jumping up with this awkward silence for everyone else in the room was like, oh, yes, yes, good job, and then ScoMo doing the thumbs up. I mean, we testing times, but what did you think of the reaction from our our squad of uh, people that were very excited for this?
0: Uh, I mean, it wasn't great, but I do have to say it was a lot better than when they panned to Brisbane to show the crowd's reaction in Brisbane. And I was like, is this a celebration about getting the Olympics or a funeral? Because it was a bit hard to tell with their reaction. Like there was nothing. Zero reaction. Maybe like two people stood up and clapped. No like cheering. Maybe I suppose for them because it felt like it was such a done deal. um, There wasn't that anticipation and excitement. But honestly, just get some paid actors in there and (laughs) (laughs) amongst the crowd. Get a good band on stage. Fire them up somehow. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so in comparison, the celebration by uh, Anastasia and ScoMo was, was excellent.
1: I, I wonder how awkward Scomo is in his little office there. I mean, you know, they cross live to him, he does his speech, he's got the Yakubra sort of hat in the background, all the books looking very smart, but I just kinda of love how they cut to him and he's jumping up there and he's kind of going, Yeah, and he's giving the thumbs up to the camera. He's a passionate man, Skomo, but uh I wonder if he rehearsed that. I wonder if, you know, they basically go, Okay, Skomo, when you get the uh, official confirmation, you've gotta be excited. Okay, you're the Prime Minister of Australia. Like how how many takes do you think he uh stood in front of the mirror practicing that? Oh, I
0: think at least at least 10 and probably some um good advice from jenny there on how to react properly to that
1: (laughs) oh good to see jenny always there but i have to say that the the presentation was uh not overly enthralling uh i i kind of sat there for a good hour and essentially uh watched it uh we had random ioc zebra suited lady going on about the process which was somewhat informative and scomo going on about everything uh Then Anastasia came on and basically jerked off to Brisbane for about the next 20 minutes about how amazing Brisbane, and also she was, she, she subtle little hints about how she'd been elected three times and, uh, had, you know, introduced all this. Good on you, Anastasia. I'm sure that uh, all Queenslanders love you for that. With the mayor of Brisbane, um, I'm sure he's very popular there, uh, celebrating how great Brisbane is. Um, I, I was kind of, you know, not as boring as a Thomas Bark speech, but, uh, I mean, I, for one, don't think I'm going to be attending any Queensland politic meetings anytime soon. Uh, anything stand out for you? The one thing, actually, I will say that stood out is uh, Anastasia calling a certain great Olympian by the name of Karen Perkins rather than Kieran Perkins. I thought that was quite interesting. But, uh, yeah, anything stand out from
0: these uh, speeches that we had to endure? Not particularly. I did love how they kept using the phrase, like, I suppose it's the COVID world that we live in, but safe and secure. As why we should be chosen. I'm like, I'm hoping by like 2032, uh, COVID may be something of a a thing of the past. (laughs) You got to hope that with like 11 years later, we've um, managed to control the spread to some point. Possibly. Maybe. I
1: mean, we've been saying that for a couple of years. Who knows? Um, I, I have to say, I like the the, the videos, though, that they showed. Um, there was the one that they kind of show the hubs and everything, which I think was just an extended version of one that they'd already uh, launched out there. But the one that they sort of started off with, you had a, a series of, you know, famous Australian Olympians kind of uh, saying why we should host the games. I love it. They got Jess Fox on there to speak French. Obviously, we know her French roots, so good on there to kind of appease the IOC. Like, look, here in Australia, we're multicultural. We can speak French at least one of our athletes can. But the highlight, I, uh, the Indigenous version of You're the Voice. I, I want this. I want this song. It was fantastic. It gave me chills. I sort of started hearing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this song. And then you realise this is like You're the Voice in an Indigenous language. It was epic. I mean, I, I want to see that video again. Hopefully they'll share that online. What
0: did you, what did you think of the little video
1: presentations? That
0: thought it was very impressive. And I'm with you on, on that version of You're the Voice. I think that has to be queued up for sure for the opening ceremony. Yeah. it'll age well. Yeah, well, it will. I, I definitely. I mean, John Farman probably would
1: have retired about twenty-eight times between now and uh, twenty thirty-two. I mean, he's, oh, I don't want to say this out loud, but he might not be around in twenty thirty-two, Jared. So um, they've got to got to have a backup. But I'll say that. I mean, that is the one song that every Australian can sing word for word. I, I remember being at the closing ceremony of the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, and basically in the lead up to it, they're playing all these Australian songs over the speakers. And as soon as they start playing You're the Voice, everyone around us just started singing it word for word. Horses, great song, but you only know the chorus. You don't know the verses. You're the Voice, you know every single lyric. So great choice there. I did have to question, though, that while they did show some iconic Australian Olympic moments, they showed Chloe. I'm glad they showed Chloe. You know, they showed Thorpey and Kathy, and they showed Stephen Hooker, like they showed all the greats. wasn't aware that Rafa, I wasn't aware that Novak, I wasn't aware that a sane, great Australian Olympians, uh, Michael Phelps as well, Uh, icons of Australian sport apparently, Jared. So glad to see what they're adopting them as Australians
0: too. Well, you do know that Australia loves to claim athletes from other countries. (laughs) And tennis is one where I feel like we've done it particularly well with the whole uh, Aussie Kim, Aussie Anna. Uh, I used to put Aussie in front of any tennis player's name and then all of a sudden we've claimed them. That's true. That is,
1: that is very true as well. But you sort of alluded it to, at the beginning of this episode, you mentioned about the dates of this, and it hadn't sort of ever been, uh, I guess, confirmed what the dates would be, and I think a lot of people maybe anticipated it might be like Sydney, kind of sort of more of a spring game, September to October, maybe a little bit later, but it was confirmed by Mr. Uh, Mr. Coates, our uh, fearless leader, VP of the IOC as well, that they will in fact be held on between the 23rd of July and the 8th of August, exactly the same dates as Tokyo uh the Paralympics from the 24th of August to the 5th of September which officially means that Australia will host our very first winter olympics Jared this is kind of exciting uh I'm glad that Australia can be
0: a winter olympic host nation as well it's very exciting um it, it does feel really like an odd time of year to choose but um I think just for that fact alone it's it's um, it's worth it to to have some semblance of a Winter Olympics,
1: which I've got to say, I would assume this would be the very first time that an Olympic Games has been held, uh, in the opposite season, as in a Summer Olympics has been held in the winter. I would assume the closest that they've ever been would have been Melbourne and Sydney, uh, no doubt, in that sort of later year. But kind of, I think it was the mayor basically mentioned about how the climate is uh perfect i mean i lived in brisbane during the winter and again it is quite warm it still uh doesn't really drop below the 20 degree mark but the interesting thing would be um sort of the the daylight section of it the fact that you know you will be kind of losing daylight around about five six o'clock I mean, Brisbane doesn't really have a sunset, it kind of just goes, or a twilight, I should say, it just kind of goes day-night pretty quickly. But that's going to be unique, a kind of a summer Olympics where you're not going to have a lot of sunlight. Even though the mayor was saying that, oh, there's lots of sunlight, well, you know, daylight
0: savings and things like that aren't going to change that much, is it? No, you've got to um, consider, I suppose, the outdoor events. and the fact that, like, is it going to be a Wimbledon where you've got a like a light rule? It's too dark and we've got to cancel the event and come back tomorrow. Yeah,
1: yeah, which is, is kind of crazy to think that, but... We haven't really had a chance to talk much about sort of the bid and kind of how it's all going to be coming about but uh, I mean obviously a lot of what they're selling the bid on and what I guess helped them win the bid is 84% of the venues are either existing or temporary and of course it's going to be spread right across up to the sunshine coast and down to the gold coast a lot of facilities built for the commonwealth games will be put in place I mean it's it's quite a substantial bid sort of Brisbane will officially get the the moniker of the host of the Olympics but it's more of a southeast Queensland bid of course I don't know how much time you've spent sort of in in Brisbane and sort of Southeast Queensland, and maybe you visited some of the the venues there or everything along those lines, but I mean, kind of stretching it out that much, what's your take on kind of really kind of making it a a real regional bid for the whole Southeast of Queensland?
0: I think it's a good idea. I feel like that's almost what we're going to see more and more of in terms of the games of the future, Um, entire regions spread across kind of countries, even I suppose we'll get dual bids at some point. Um, So I feel like it's to me, it's like it's a logical thing to do instead of if you've got existing venues within a certain radius, then to spread the games out makes a lot more sense rather than building new stuff that is potentially not going to get used afterwards and footing this massive bill ahead of the Olympics when you can cut costs and share costs. I think that's obviously the way to go. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of seeing that a little bit
1: with uh, the 2026 Winter Olympics, of course, being Milan-Cortina sort of really considered the first dual sort of bit. I mean... Certain winter areas have been argued before, you know. I mean, uh, Vancouver and Whistler are kind of quite separate. Uh, You know, Sochi obviously had a few... A lot of the stuff in Beijing is going to be quite separate from Beijing as well. And it's obviously not the first time that things have been spread out. I mean, Sydney obviously had football preliminaries right across the country. I think they even had them as far away as Adelaide and Perth, from memory. Uh, And uh, Tokyo are doing the same too. They're using a lot of their old uh, World Cup venues from the 2002 World Cup. So preliminaries of, of the football as we speak, as we're recording... So, yeah, it's, and as kind of you said, it's sort of uh, the way things moving forward in terms of how Olympics will be hosted. Obviously, they're very expensive. Uh, a lot of white elephants. I've been uh, reading a lot of articles recently about Rio and the white elephants from that. I watched a very interesting video about Athens recently and kind of, you know, whether or not it was uh, the cause of the Greek financial crisis. It was very interesting. So, obviously, you want to avoid that. But I think the thing with that's really interesting about Brisbane, I mean, having lived there, they're very separate from the Gold Coast in the fact that they don't like admitting that the Gold Coast essentially is the same place. If you say in Brisbane, oh, yeah, the Gold Coast is the same place, they get very offended. Uh, Having lived essentially in Logan, halfway between the two, it kind of felt like the same place, particularly when the first half of the time I lived there, I was traveling to the Gold Coast a lot, second half to Brisbane, it was basically the same. It was on the same train line. It was everything along those lines, but it is such a, it's such a nice place. I really enjoyed my time living there and it's so exciting to see them win it because Melbourne and Sydney are the obvious choices, but to kind of go to a, I guess as I kept calling it a medium sized city, like, I, I don't know. Like I would have always thought if we got an Olympics for the third time, it would go back to Melbourne. Cause I mean, Melbourne was loosely a chance to take the 2016 Olympics. If Rio really couldn't do it. Cause Melbourne could host an Olympics tomorrow with the amount of venues they've got. Sydney could obviously host a, an Olympics tomorrow with the venues they've got. But, I like this idea of kind of a, a mid-sized city like Brisbane hosting it. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that this will open the door up for some other cities in the future like Brisbane in, in different parts of the world.
0: Yeah, I feel like, they, like it wouldn't have been at the time they put the bid in, but I feel they almost deserve it too, given how much sport in Australia has relied on um, Queensland and, and Brisbane this year to get um, games done. Um, so I think it's almost like a reward, the fact that, They've done such a good job in um, continuing all like the national leagues and all the bubble areas in um, Queensland that it just feels right that they're getting the opportunity to host the Games. The one little stat that I
1: really like about it too is that Australia now officially becomes only the second country behind the US to host Olympics in three different cities. Uh, And in terms of that, that's obviously just for the summer games. I mean, technically, Canada have hosted Olympics in three different cities, but two of them were winter and one of them was summer. But uh, yeah, I think that's a very sort of unique little stat to have. And also the comparisons they were kept making to Barcelona, of course, Brisbane bid for the 92 Olympics, didn't win it, and Barcelona did, and it's interesting to kind of hear the comparisons about how Barcelona was considered a a mid-sized city. And obviously if you read into the history of how the Olympics helped develop Barcelona into the city it is today, you know, for us, we assume Barcelona is this, you know, globally leading city, but back then it, it wasn't. So, I mean, Brisbane's just gone through growth. I mean, Anastasia mentioned the World Expo 1988. Obviously, the Commonwealth Games in 82 was a, a big boom, and the Commonwealth Games, obviously not quite in Brisbane, but the Gold Coast. So, I mean, you're, you're from Sydney. I, I like kind of your positive nature here on Brisbane. You're meant to not like those guys to the north. I thought you'd be a little bit more miffed that they're getting all this love and recognition all of a sudden.
0: I feel like we're just still, uh, New South Wales and Sydney is still riding high on the uh, state of origin win that we're willing to toss them a bone at this point. <laughs> there it is.
1: <laughs> you, need to, you need to kind of put that in there quickly. Queensland won the third game, come on.
0: That's true, <laughs> but that doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> um, I, so when you watched the coverage, I'm intrigued, were you watching sort of like live breaking news on like Channel 9 and Channel 7? Were you tuned into the YouTube channel? Like I'd love to hear kind of what you were watching what you thought of the coverage.
0: I was watching on Channel Nine um, and they kept I suppose crossing between just the domestic regular news and then crossing over to uh, they're gonna announce it at any time now and then probably crossing a little bit too early on Thomas bark's speech and him just standing at the podium not saying anything and then. <laughs> no commentary until the newsreader had to kind of like quickly jump in and just give us all these facts. But they did, similar to how you mentioned earlier on the the news sites online, there was the whole, they kept playing the whole, whoever from the IOC last night who spoke, who was like, it's not a done deal. It's not a certainty. Like it's important that we follow the process. It could still be decided that we go back to like the bidding process and it starts kind of all over again. So they were definitely playing up that angle of, uh, this isn't locked in. It kind of could go either way. We really thought it was for certain, but now the uh, the Premier and everybody's been put back on their toes and they've had to do this beard and really talk it back up again because uh, as of last night, it could, go, could have gone either way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was interesting in that fact because it really did feel like they were um, hyping it up more than I suppose they should have been. Um, but then, yeah, crossing way too early, which is just typical news, and them having to kind of fill in. Uh, the time, uh, and yeah. then after it was over, very quickly, like just uh, crossing, I suppose, to the fireworks in Brisbane, and then getting straight out of there and back to just whatever they had else on the agenda for the night.
1: See, I I was watching the the YouTube IOC channel, so I sort of had tuned in late afternoon, kind of watching it all through there. But I sort of um I flicked it over on to both Channel Nine, ABC, and Channel Seven to see what was happening. Now, when I flicked to the ABC and Channel 9, they kind of had the screen on the on the table, like the the voting process, like, oh, it's moments away. Channel 7, our host broadcaster of the Olympic Games, our beloved friends, decided to go to a commercial break, to which their newsreader was like, yep, we'll be back. And they're expected to announce this as soon as we get back from the commercial break. They get back from the commercial break, and literally that's when Thomas Barker's walking to the podium, like, oh, great timing, Channel 7, you've done it. They played about four news stories. The announcement had already happened before the guy basically comes in. Oh, and in breaking news, this has just been announced. And they cross it. They show it. They show a couple of celebrations. And he goes, and then that's pretty exciting news, isn't it? In other news, Harvey Weinstein has been, extreme, like, I'm thinking the host broadcaster could not give a shit. Um, admittedly, I'm watching the Melbourne Channel 7 feed, so I'm sure if this was the Brisbane one, it's probably a little bit more excitement-filled. But, uh Yet Channel 7, not off to a good start with their Olympic coverage if that's their excitement of getting the bloody Olympics.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gives you high hopes that uh, maybe during the swimming they may cut to a commercial break between the uh, laps <laughs> and then we might get to see the finish of the race. <laughs> I
1: have to say, I, I did like the... Um the little section there when they go up to the table to sign the the official documents. And uh, they had this shot of Anastasia and Thomas having a bit of a mild flirt. Like I, I I like seeing Anastasia and Tommy having a bit of a chat there. I mean, let's be honest in 11 years time, these two are probably not going to be in control of their respective uh, state and organization. Uh, Maybe Mr. Coates will be the IOC uh, president by then. Maybe I'll be the premier of Queensland. I don't know. But um it's it's interesting. Like I, I appreciate the excitement. You see, someone like Anastasia and uh, and the mayor. Like it's a pretty cool moment for them, no matter what people think of that. Like if I was a if I was a mayor, or if I was a premier, and I could say my term, I got an Olympics. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty chuffed with that.
0: Yeah, I think fair enough. And given the criticism she faced before about flying over, I think it's just good for her to kind of have her moment.
1: I'm telling you now, like. I'm, I'm never a big John Howard fan. But the one thing I appreciated about Johnny H during Sydney is he had a habit of being at every single event that we won a gold medal. They kind of – they are, I don't know if you remember that. He sort of was like the lucky charm. It was like if John Howard's showing up to an event, we're winning a gold medal. So I really do hope that in 11 years' time, whoever our Prime Minister is, I don't know, Hugh Jackman, let's say by then, um, that he's got that good luck charm. Because let's be honest, if you and I and, and Colin go – we're going to be the opposite. We're going to be reporting from the Olympics and, you know, oh, here's our absolute 100% gold medal chance. It's it's the Campbell sisters in their seventh Olympics. They're finally going to win a gold medal and we're there and they choke. So, um, yeah, I mean, good luck, charms, I think, for whoever the prime minister will be in 11 years' time.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You have to make sure that we're attending the same events. Exactly. Um, I, I It's intriguing actually to think uh, So sort of obviously a lot of the venues kind of have been announced and I look forward to kind of everything else that they're putting out there. I mean, the Gabba is going to be sort of uh, refurbished a little bit to have all the ceremonies. Suncorp obviously as well. Uh, you got all, Metricon, all these great stadiums already in place. A lot of venues, as I've already mentioned, that have already sort of been in place. But the one I'm excited for, they're talking about building this new venue downtown basically in the middle of Brisbane for swimming. Um, and I, I love their, their ambition, the way like they're like – if we get the Olympics or not, these are happening. Like, it's kind of like, you don't give us the Olympics, we're building it anyway, so you can give it to us in 2030. Like, it's just, like, I don't know. I, I Having not lived in Brisbane for a couple of years, I just wonder what the viewpoint is. It's like, they're very stubborn, Brisbane. Like, fuck you, we're going to build these anyway, but maybe give us the Olympics and we have a reason for it. So is that how you should get Olympics now? Just threaten that we're going to build them, whether you give it to us or not?
0: Um, I mean, it's one tactic. I don't know if I'd take it, but um, I suppose when you're in government, I mean, it depends how long you want to be in there for. Yeah, right? well, true. Just yeah. build it and get out of there.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, a lot of the other things they mentioned too, sort of the sustainable nature of the Olympics, and I love the the questions. I don't know if you got to see the IOC people ask the questions, but uh, there was one guy there. He, he loved his he loved his climate change and his uh, you know sustainability. He's like, I am very excited that you're going to make this a sustainable games. It gets me very very excited. Um, and just some of the questions there, uh, I just I, I want to go to more IOC sessions because there was like a prince there. Like there was some guy they cut to, and he was like, "Prince something rather," because I think it was the mayor. Basically, he was like, "You know, your president, your honor, your honor, your royal highnesses." And I'm thinking, who who's in the room? That's and like some IOC members, like a prince. So these IOC meetings must be the place to be, Jared. We need to get an invite.
0: Yeah, maybe you'll have to ask Anastasia because I think that was her Her chatting with Thomas, the little flirt on the side. is probably her angling for uh, her uh, future job. Well, that's it.
1: That's the thing. And also I love the fact too that uh, when ScoMo was introducing himself, he had to put in the little, uh, yeah, I'm the chair of the, uh, the uh, Brisbane <laughs> Olympic. Like, I mean, the, the fucking Prime Minister of Australia, mate, do you really need to throw in an extra line of, hey, you think I'm this good? I'm also the chair of the Brisbane Organising Committee. I mean... Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that.
0: <laughs> I feel like the federal government, they really stepped in, like, last minute in terms of, like, their commitment to the games and pledging their $10 million or whatever, and now they're just going to uh, take all that credit. <laughs> Uh, $4
1: billion is the projected budget. We know it's not going to be that. It'll be like $20 billion. I mean, no Olympics has ever stayed under that. Um, You know, I'm sure we're going to see plenty of articles and people complaining in the coming weeks and years and all this kind of stuff about is this worth it and everything along those lines. As someone who lives in Sydney, as someone who grew up in Sydney through an Olympics, 21 years removed... I mean, do you see the benefits from that, like growing up and kind of seeing what an Olympics brings to a place where you grew up? I mean, I don't know if that's a question you can really answer, but, I mean, it would be interesting to hear that from somebody who was there as a kid and still lives in a city
0: that uh, had an Olympics 20 years ago. I'd say on, like, the balance it was definitely a positive thing, just in terms of I feel like just the excitement of the people living here um, getting to host such a prestigious event. And in my experience, all like, well, pretty much all the stadiums have been used and continue to be used uh, moving forward. Uh, even in Penrith, they've got the whitewater stadium that's constantly used the regatta center for the rowing is such a hub for families and like recreation and picnics on weekend. So I think, um, yeah, I think in terms of that, the fact that all the venues have been put to good use um, we use that infrastructure for sport, for concerts. Um, so I think it's probably more than paid back what it cost. The, the one thing actually
1: you mentioned the the whitewater place there at Penrith, I, I don't know if they're still going to go ahead with it or not, but I think initially they were talking about potentially with this bid that they might actually send the, the canoeing down to Penrith because they're like, oh, it's already there. We don't really need to, to build another place, which would have been sort of, very unique with that but I mean look I I know when I've been to Sydney uh I've been out to Homebush and I've been to Stadium Australia and sort of you know as an Olympic fan I'm always I like the monuments and things like that but yeah I've been to some of those facilities there and it's great obviously Uh, you're using them quite quite a big deal but like I guess the uniqueness here with Brisbane is that yeah as I said 83% of these things are basically already in place or will be uh, very temporary and sort of having been there during the Commonwealth Games I, I remember thinking you know, when they said that Metrocom was going to be sort of the home to the ceremonies in the Atlanta the stadium that only holds like 30,000, 40,000. I was like, oh, is this really, you know, like don't you need more people? But again, Commonwealth Games is a little bit different to an Olympics. But the Gabba, I think, is about a 40,000-seat stadium. So uh, even if you sort of increase that by about 10 20,000, not a huge amount of people, but I mean, again, it's a mid-sized sort of Olympic bid. So it's kind of the, the uniqueness of that there. I don't think, I think we're a long time away from sports and everything along those lines. Obviously, they've kind of changed it up a little bit where the host city can kind of have a bit more of a say. It's kind of like the Commonwealth Games model where you've got your core sports and then you can kind of have your other ones sort of along the way there. Anything right now, 11 years out, let's be the first show to predict things here. Like, are there anything that you would like to see? I know you're a real squash fan, so I'm feeling like you're going to vote for squash, but anything that you feel an Australian Olympics can bring back to the fray that maybe we haven't seen in quite some time or have never
0: seen? Well, I mean, I would love to see squash back, um, but I think it's got to be... We're definitely going to angle for sports that we're good at, and I suppose it's hard to predict in 11 years' time where our um, where we'll be as a sporting nation, but I think some of those Commonwealth Games sports, um, yeah. if they could somehow sneak them into the Olympics... Uh, I think like netball is a very obvious one in terms of medal prospects for Australia. Uh, Olympics definitely missing lawn balls uh, on the excitement point of view. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be one of those sports. I think that we've got a very high medal chance in um, maybe something that's played a bit more uh, internationally than netball a bit more worldwide. But um, I feel like that's the route you've got to go.
1: I'm looking here at the recognized international federations that aren't yet Olympic sports. Cheerleading, which I think has been talked up for LA, if I'm not mistaken. I know breakdancing is going to be in, in uh, Paris, but I, I did see a story recently where I think cheerleading literally is on the cusp of being included in LA. The obvious one that I really would like to see, I think cricket. Like, you know, 2020 has expanded enough that you do have a lot of these sort of non-cricketing nations playing. We've got a lot more sort of uh, nations coming into the fray with cricket in the test circle as well. And if you've got rugby sevens, uh, which is a very fringe sport when it comes to the countries that play it, you've got sports like handball, which is a very fringe sport for the countries that play it and are good. I mean, cricket, I think in terms of uh, participation in the world, is, is in the top two or three. I think it might only be behind basketball and soccer and that's obviously a lot to do with India being sort of the leading nation in the world but I mean that makes sense a 2020 cricket sort of coming in into the Olympics and I mean the, the beauty about these Olympics is it's an 11 year period between when they've announced it there it's not a usual seven year cycle so you've got a chance for say if all of a sudden tomorrow the Brisbane organizing committee like hey we're going to include cricket you could have these countries like the US and you know all these other countries that aren't generally known as cricketing countries really put a lot into it so that would be my one there. I mean, I'm looking here, life-saving, very Queensland. You could, you know, get Guy Leach out of retirement, do that. Um, Tug of War could come back. That would always be good. Chess. Chess would be entertaining. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, very chess? good for the, um, for the rock nation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Samba. Uh, Sambo. What is Sambo? Oh, it's kind of like a, like a wrestling kind of style thing. So... There you go. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm always intrigued to see what they would do because it's kind of – obviously, with Tokyo, we've got 33 sports. I think Paris is only having about 28 or 29, so they're cutting a few. So, yeah, I mean, God, put it up to 40. Let's let's put podcasting in the Olympics. Jared, we might have a shot. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. I'm all for adding as many sports as possible. I think podcasting-wise, off the podium, oh, it's probably a bad uh, omen to finish <laughs> in about fourth place. Um But, yeah, I just think go wild. I I feel like the Olympics should almost be the pinnacle of every sport. Yeah. Well,
1: there's a big talk about putting e-gaming in the Olympics, which, uh, I mean, if you've got e-gaming, you've got to have podcasting. let's be honest. But um, other ones here that I'm looking at, wushu, water skiing, uh, ultimate frisbee, that's apparently officially recognised by the IOC. Uh, sumo, uh, squash is on there, uh, ski mountaineering. I mean, we are a Winter Olympics, so we could do that. Power boating, roller sports, racquetball, polo, orienteering. I mean, talk about a television spectacular. Um, dance sports on there. Uh, bu- is it bulls? Bullies? How do you say that? Bulls. I can never pronounce that sport. Billion sports. We've got a pool. Like, that's an Australian tradition. Come on. Uh, auto racing. There you go. We could see some uh, Formula One going on there. On the whole, eleven-year cycle. What's your thoughts on that? Because um, I think there was one of the guys, the the who voted, did question that. Sort of mentioned about like, is this too far out to be hosting an Olympics? basically political you know things change like today's government is not going to be in control in five years time what if they all of a sudden are like no we don't want to support the olympics like it's a very valid point but i mean what's your viewpoint on on awarding an olympics more than a decade out? because if i'm not mistaken this is the furthest an olympics has ever been awarded out from the day it was announced
0: it's an interesting one i think it could definitely be problematic i don't see it being problematic in australia's case but you never know in terms of the economy and what not's going to happen in 11 years time um, but i suppose that probably i feel helped the bid the fact that it was so far out to pick um i suppose a country with a track record who you would assume wouldn't have any major kind of political upheaval um, the economy i mean who knows what could happen but in terms of uh, political upheaval or um like civil war or anything like that you would assume that australia is fairly far uh removed from that being a possibility hopefully um, so <laughs> i think in this instance it worked but I, yeah i do think it's potentially uh problematic moving forward um but i suppose on the plus side there's so much planning time that um you would hope you'd be able to meet uh the time frames and it'd be less of a, um. Uh, issues that we've had in the past with concerns that, uh, is the country going to be ready to host the Olympics?
1: They, they did actually mention sort of um, the zebra-striped lady at the beginning was sort of talking about the other cities that had expressed interest about how they're engaging in dialogue already for the, the 2036 and 2040 Olympics, which, I mean, that's very interesting. But, uh, I mean, obviously such a unique time for the Olympics given how they did Paris and LA and then this now 11 years out. But it's a great point you make sort of, you know, touch wood that all of a sudden uh, Tasmania doesn't finally revolt against our fearless mainland leaders and there is a massive war in Australia in the next 11 years. But um, I'm just looking here actually at kind of when Olympics have been announced in the past. This is definitely the furthest that has ever been announced here. But going back, let's go back to 1894, Jared. Uh, two years before the Athens Olympics they were, they were awarded. Um, three years before St. Louis. Um, initially given to Chicago, but then they moved it to St. Louis in 1904. So back in the day, only two or three years uh, notice was given. Like, boom, you're hosting the Olympics. Get on with it. Um, but then all of a sudden, they moved it to sort of a, a seven-year swing. The, the, the only thing I say about them host like awarding it so far out. I kind of always like the fact that in a non-Olympic year, you had the host being announced for, for the summer or the winter. So kind of you had obviously, you know, in a summer Olympic year, the year after, you knew you were going to get the host for the one in seven years' time. Then you have the winter, then you have the winter. I kind of like that little cycle. That's the only thing that I'll say I'm a bit disappointed. We've got, we've got no excitement now, basically, until what, like 2020? 29 till finding out if they go back to the seven-year cycle i mean i've got our, lim- our winter our winter ones to go for obviously uh we uh i guess technically in about 18 months time we'll probably be talking about who's going to be hosting the the 2030 ones hashtag go vancouver um but yeah i don't know i always like that build up to having like five cities battle each other off against each other
0: yeah i think like that was the real thing that was lacking is that it was Uh, So straightforward, the the host was like endorsed, obviously, by the IOC, just not having that, it coming, I mean, a yes or no vote, whatever, but the fact I vote between countries so much more interesting um, than just, I mean, I couldn't really, I mean, five people did, but I couldn't imagine people voting no, because they just have to go through that whole process again, like it almost wouldn't be worth like their time to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm looking here for the, for the winter ones of 2030. We do have four cities that are kind of in the running right now. Uh, Vancouver, Sapporo in Japan, Barcelona. I didn't realize how much of a winter city, but there you go. And, uh, Salt Lake. So uh, I'm, I'm very much Team Vancouver and Team Salt Lake. So actually, having visited Salt Lake City, that is one of those cities where you go to and you're like, how did they host an Olympics? Like, it's a great city. Like, I absolutely love Salt Lake City, but it was just such a uniquely small-feeling city where you're like, wow, they hosted an Olympic Games, literally go to their main stadium, which is a university stadium. And obviously in the States they've got very big university stadiums. But, I mean, I don't know about your university, Jared, but I definitely would never have imagined any Olympic opening ceremony being held at the University of Tasmania. So uh, it was kind of unique for an Australian to see that. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, um, outside of this great news that uh, we are going to be having uh, another Olympics in Australia, uh, we've had some other news to kind of go on. We've had some events happening today, which we'll touch on, and uh, some other news to go on there as well. But I I did ask you this the other day. I'll ask it to you again because uh, you gave the great answer about how you'll be a little bit older in 2032, so maybe appreciate a little bit more. But uh, will this be something that you will really be sort of, you know, going up there and, you know, maybe trying to plan a couple of weeks there or kind of something that you'll really, you know, look towards uh, going to, to, to visit and go and see?
0: Yeah, I feel like I have to. Um, I think... It's kind of disappointing looking back and, and missing out on Sydney and being kind of that bit young to go to anything yourself or plan anything. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I mean, as we said, it's so far away, it's hard to predict. But, like, at the moment, it's definitely on my radar of going there and seeing as many events as I possibly can.
1: The, the thing that I'm sure you remember as well and I've talked a lot about here is, is it is just that vibe that we had in Australia at that point. Um, you know, it was so unique. And obviously, yeah, we mentioned the other day about how pretty much all the schools around the country made their spring break essentially in that two-week period during Sydney. But, I, I mean, I remember, like, when the Olympic torch came to Hobart and just getting caught up in all of that, uh, you know, the the pins they had in the newspaper that you collected, all the, the kids' activities, books. I mean, in one way where it's like, yeah, absolutely, we're going to be a lot older in 2032 to appreciate it. I'm also somewhat glad that I was a kid during the Olympics when you really appreciate kind of the the kid-centric things they do. I've, I've literally... Pointing behind me through that door, I've got boxes filled with Sydney 2000, just everything. I've got books, I've got merchandise, I've got newspapers. I kept every newspaper basically from back in the day with all the results and everything in it. DVDs, books, you name it, I've got them. So I really kind of appreciated to to be involved in that. But yeah, it's kind of, it's more of a different aspect now to appreciate it out. I mean, I'll be 45, which is Incredibly scary to say that out loud when when Brisbane's coming on there. Don't know if you want to meet your age, Jared, but who knows? We could we could go for positions on the on BOCOG. Uh, I don't know if they're already starting to take you know candidates for there. I mean, uh, you know, any any desire to work for BOCOG? We could be the new Michael Knight. We could be the head of BOCOG. Oh, you know, it's anything's possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're the in the top four Olympic podcasts in the world. You know, so. That means something, surely, with that. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the the Olympics coming to Brisbane before we sort of talk on some other things and wrap this up? I mean, uh, I don't know if there's anything glaring that uh, I, I've missed, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's a momentous day. We obviously wanted to have an episode to kind of talk about the Brisbane Olympic bit eventually, but to be able to come on here only hours removed from it being announced. I mean, it
0: is very exciting to be an Olympic fan in Australia right now. It is. And as much as we've talked about how kind of it was a foregone conclusion – and the the reaction, I suppose, uh, in Brisbane itself wasn't that exciting. It is, um, it's just exciting to have something to look forward to that's so far in advance. Yeah, which actually, the one
1: thing I will mention, let's let's just some predictions we talked about the sports i want to talk about the ceremony quickly here uh you know obviously we're probably gonna have the standard like you know uh history through to the modern day i mean i'm thinking kind of what they did in gold coast you know the surf life saving all that kind of stuff the giant whale great fantastic but like let's let's think to the future you know who's the kathy of who's lighting the cauldron who's who's doing the big sort of ufo dish going up and who are the bands like i'm calling this right now Savage Garden, The Reunion, 2032. They're going to finally sort out their differences and they're going to come back together. Global megastars, Savage Garden. Fuck Powderfinger. I don't want Powderfinger touching the Olympics. Savage Garden. Get Nikki Webster. I know she's not a Queenslander, but she's got to come back. You, gotta, you owe it to Nikki. Um, and then, I don't know, for The Torch, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm looking here. Sam Sammy Stowe's is a Queenslander. Um, you know, there's there's one there. Uh, George Miller, director of course of the Mad Max films, is is a possible one there as well. Um, Wally Lewis, you know, great Queenslanders up there. I, I I don't know. I mean, what are some other who are some other great Queenslanders that I'm forgetting about here who are in with a shot of lighting that cauldron?
0: I think just to stick on like the the tennis track you've got what you got pat rafter you've got yeah. ash Barty. um i just feel like there's so many options and in terms of bands 11 years time five seconds of summer will have broken up by then and there'll be hey, a seconds of summer reunions
1: jared you're on the ball come on here um eurovision flavor kate miller Heidke could be a. Pumping out there as well. Uh, why not? Um, Regurgitator. I'm seeing here a Brisbane band. Bring back Regurgitator. Um, the BGS apparently. Well, I mean, sure. The Veronicas. I mean, come on. Why not? Um, Jeff Horns, a proud Brisbaneite. Um, lots of uh, famous ones here. Sigrid Thornton could be involved there on in the acting side of things as well. Jeffrey Rush, Academy Award winner. I mean, come on. Like, uh, you've got a lot going on here for Queensland. So uh, only 11 years to plan it. No pressure. This is the thing. If they fuck up the opening ceremony, they've got no excuse. They've had 11 years to get this right. Mm. So, like, I hope literally someone right now is sitting in
0: a boardroom somewhere Got okay, ideas for the opening ceremony. Yeah, they should definitely be sending out the save the dates to all these important people, (laughs) at least by the end of next week. Lock
1: these people up in, like, hyperbaric chambers so they don't die between now and then, essentially, you know. I want them to, like, you got 11 years to get Savage Garden into counselling, everyone. Like, seven, 11 years, all right, mate? Darren Hayes, you know, fix it up with him, okay? I don't know if he left or you left. I don't know the truth behind Savage Garden, but I want it fixed. I want to the moon and back, played in that opening ceremony. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously let the, let the discussions begin. Hopefully Roy and HG can uh, last 11 years so we can bring back the dream. Uh, sadly, obviously we, we won't be able to have our, our games, the games back, uh, with the, the passing of, um, Mr. Clark, but, uh, yeah, maybe we can sort of have a new version of it coming along those lines as well. Um. Outside of Brisbane announcement, uh, obviously since our last episode and before we get into our next episode, which will be our opening ceremony review, a couple of uh, things have obviously happened. Competition began today, Jared. We've had uh, softball and soccer both start today and Australia hit the field today in softball. Uh, We're officially, I think, kicked off the games. We were first out there and, uh, yeah, not the best start. Uh, your your prediction of a silver medal for our uh, our softball girls might not be looking good. A uh, bit of a bit of a kerfuffle against uh, the as they keep telling us the reigning gold medalist from thirteen
0: years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, it must be very exciting for them to be defending champion and have nobody from that um, gold medal <laughs> win still in your team. Yeah, not the best start. It was looking good there at one all, um, but then uh, after that, not so much.
1: Loaded bases, I believe, as well. At one point there, when uh, we were we were leading, didn't quite get there. Having said that, with the the no, uh, it was eight one. We should mention that It was eight one, and we lost in the mercy rule. Essentially, if you you're losing by more than five, I think at the end of a certain innings, bye bye. That's it. Good night. Um, I did catch a bit of the USA-Italy game. And it's interesting you say about having no one from their team from Beijing. There was uh, at least one of the, uh, the players on the US team was a gold medalist from Athens and a silver medalist from Beijing. So a bit of longevity there going on for some of the, the American team. But uh, the US beat Italy 2-0. And celebrations for Colin. Canada's off to a great start. A 4 nothing walloping of traditional rivals in softball Mexico. So I'm iron this off. Jared, I think I said bronze for Australia. So, yeah, not looking good against the US and Japan, but I'm pretty sure we should beat the Italians and the Mexicans. Pretty good. But uh, the Canadians, that's where our medal could be decided there. It's our game against Canada. What do you think? I think that would be a good one to pencil in for commentary if that ends up being the bronze medal match. Hey, hey, I know a lot about that sport. So, absolutely. Uh, on the football side of things, we are recording this uh, about an hour removed from the Matilda's hitting the pitch against New Zealand. So, by the time uh, most people probably listen to this, obviously that result would already be up. But we've had uh, three games already finished in the football, uh, Great Britain, uh, one of the rare times that they do compete all together in soccer, obviously g- generally compete separately, I know there was a big deal around that back in London, sort of merging uh, England, Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland together, and I realise there's been a bit of a similar thing with the women qualifying this time around, but they got off to a great start, 2-0 against Chile, so uh, good start there for the Brits, I shouldn't be celebrating that, we're meant to be anti-Britain this Olympics, but hey, sure, uh, Brazil, 5-0 over China, big win there for the Brazilians, but a bit of a boil-over going going on here literally just finished. I've just watched it in the background and it's just finished. Now the reigning, uh, world cup champions, the USA, the, the dominant side, usually when it comes to, to women's football, three, nothing losing to the Swedes. Uh, good on Sweden for, uh, pipping up there and, uh, knocking them out and big result there. I was talking to you off air about, I'm uh, not too sure about their uniforms, very, uh, fluoro yellow, look like they should be going to a road work site, not an Olympics, but, uh, yeah, is that our first boil over of the games, that the US women's soccer team lost 3-0 to Sweden?
0: I think it's got to be. It's going to be a really interesting because we're in that pool as well with those teams. So Yeah. Um, yeah, not the way you would be expected to go, and I don't know if that's good or bad for Australia's chances of uh, moving into the knockout rounds. The group of death as they're already saying Mm. it.
1: Uh, Good news, though, for Colin, as well as we are recording this, Canada are playing Japan as we speak. Canada are leading already right now, Uh, six minutes in. They are 1-0 up with a goal to Christine Sinclair. So uh, good start there for the Canadians. Hopefully uh, they will maintain that and continue that moving forward. Outside of uh, those results, uh, other sort of big news going on is that Australia – have our first uh, drug cheat of the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, equestrian uh, rider Jamie Kermond has uh, been provisionally suspended by Equestrian Australia for a positive A sample of cocaine. I uh, didn't realise the equestrian riders were a bit of a party group there, Jared, so uh no longer allowed to compete in the olympics uh yeah a bit of a bit of a big breaking news story here our Christian riders are sniffing some coke
0: yeah it is an interesting one i mean you've just got to feel sorry for the horse <laughs> all that effort that he's put in training uh getting ready for the games and then your rider snorts some cocaine and you're out that's that's a very valid point actually that poor horse um I did I
1: did see a tweet today that the horses had arrived in Tokyo. So um good, good to see that they're not just gonna be walking around the dressage field, you know, picking their feet up and pretending to be that. But I mean look, it's I I, I always question certain drugs that are on the ban list. Like we obviously had the US Sprinter was sort of banned for, for marijuana, and we all know the story back in Nagano with uh with Mr. I can never pronounce his last name, Ross Regliardi, I think that was his name. The the Canadian snowboarder got stripped and then returned. But um, yeah, I mean, cocaine, is it performance-enhancing? It's kind of one of these drugs that I feel that if you can perform on that drug, you probably should give them an extra gold medal. I don't know. Yeah, I think bump them up the podium. You're right. Yeah. Like, I mean, God, if you're stoned and can run 100 metres under 10 seconds, bloody oath. Like, extra gold medal, I say. You're kind of doing that a little bit uh, differently there. But uh, I, I hope that uh, Mr. Mister Hoy isn't on the on the coke. Like, I hope that, uh, you know, he's an eight-time Olympian. He's he's a long, long-lasting man, but... Uh, You know, I don't want there to be an undercover secret here that the equestrian team are just, you know, peddling coke around the village. I mean, bat horse.
0: I mean, Jesus, he's got to stay awake sometime, doesn't he? Well, I think if uh, Mr. Hoy hasn't been caught out in his previous seven times, if he is (laughs) taking coke, he's doing a good job of concealing it. (laughs) He's a very smart man, Mr. Andrew Hoy. Uh, Let's not say that. Uh,
1: Other ones just to touch on as well. We talked briefly in our preview episode Uh, that we were a little bit early when it came to the flag bearers of Canada being announced, and they have been announced uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, And I do not believe either of these two were anyone that Colin mentioned. Uh, We have a basketballer Miranda Ayim and Nathan Hirama, uh, a Rugby Sevens player. I am honestly going to say I have never heard of either of them. So uh, I don't know how much of a fan you are of Canadian basketball and Rugby Sevens, Jared, but I don't
0: know, did you predict these two at all? I did not. It's a bit of kind of, I feel like, an odd choice. Uh, yeah. either of those teams expected to medal?
1: Uh, the Rugby Sevens are uh, generally pretty high up. Uh, Canada's actually doing quite well recently in rugby, but basketball, not not too sure on that one. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a story behind that. Um, sadly, Botswana have not announced their flag bearers yet, bearers yet, so we can't do that. But New Zealand, our friends across the ditch, uh Sarah Harini, a Rugby Sevens player, sticking on that theme, and Hamish Bond. Aroa, now um, again, not sure if you're over me, overly, overly, I learned to speak properly, familiar with uh, any of them. I mean, Sarah is a, a silver medal winning uh, rugby sevens player from Rio, while uh, Mr. Bond, James Bond, uh, two-time gold medalist uh, in in the Coxless pair. So, uh, I mean, look, let's be honest, New Zealand doesn't have much to choose from. So I guess it's probably, if you want to be a flag bearer for any country, probably go represent New Zealand. You've got a good chance.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a bit predictable from New Zealand picking a rugby sevens player in a rower. More predictable, I suppose, would have been a cyclist. Um, So they've surprised us a little bit there. Um, But um, yeah, a lot more generic than um, Canada's choices.
1: I'm, I'm a bit disappointed Eliza didn't get the gig. You know, I mean, a, a New Zealand bronze is almost as good as a gold. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come on, Eliza. That's, that's not uh, not great. I, I've enjoyed the social media. Sort of uh, follow us on social media off the podium. We're following a lot of the uh, athletes in uh, the different sporting federations. But uh, I do enjoy watching some of these athletes going around the village. There was a couple there. They met Ash Barty, so they get the selfie with Ash Barty. But the thing I'll say about the selfie in 2021 with the masks, is it the same? Like, are you are going to be showing that to the grandkids in 30? Oh, look, it's me and Ash Barty. Like, is it? Like, I can't tell. Like, I could put a mask on and somebody could be next to me like, oh, I'm with Tom Cruise. And they could claim I'm Tom Cruise. I mean, is a selfie, mask selfie in 2021 the same as a, mask, a non-mask selfie in 2019?
0: Depends on the style of the mask. And I feel like all of them over there are just the boring, plain, disposable ones. So really, yeah, nothing special to show to anybody else.
1: Yeah, well, maybe they can change a little bit. The one thing, too, I want to mention we talked up in our preview episode the hope for the fan messages for the Australian Olympic team, as well as the My Name is on the Team Canada website. Now, neither have materialized yet, but Australia have launched a fan hub, Jared, on the Olympics.com.au website. If you go to teamoz.olympics.com.au, you can go and look at great things such as a countdown to the Tokyo Olympics, which is always exciting. You can enter a competition to win either a $500 or five $100 vouchers for ASICS. If you guess how many medals Australia will win at Tokyo 2020, you can get your official green and gold Team Oz filter for Instagram right there. And you can play the trivia game here. We can maybe have a bit of a crack here at this, Jared. Olympic Facts. How many can you guess correct? So let's let's give this a go right now. The high jump Olympic record is held by Charles Austin of the USA at 2.38 metres. Is this A, the height of an average ceiling in your house, B, the height of a bus, or C, the height of a car? Hmm. I, I, I would say the height of a bus. That would be mm. my answer. It's definitely yeah. not a car.
0: Depends yeah. if you've got
1: uh, high ceilings or not. Let's go for the bus. Let's see what we got here. Oh, we were wrong. It was the house one. Okay, fair enough. Australian race walker Jared Talent holds the Olympic record in the 50k race walk: three hours, 36 minutes, 53 seconds. How long would it that? How long would it that average? Huh? How long would it that the average walker? I think they've mistyped that there. Good start, AOC. To do the same distance: uh, five hours, ten hours, or 24 hours. Can't be 24. Yeah, a bloody right? slow walker if it's 24. Um, I'd I think 10. Yeah, that's a pretty long distance, 50K. Uh, yes, correct. Look at us go. All right. A shuttlecock is in badminton. It can reach speeds of up to 320 kilometers per hour. This is A, the same speed as a car drives on the road. Well, it depends on what suburb you live in. B, the same speed as a train in Australia. C, three times faster as the fastest animal, the cheetah. I'm going to say a cheater. It's,
0: the, mm. it's C. Yeah, yeah I I've never been on a train it. that's gone that fast. Yeah, we
1: don't <laughs> have the bullet trains in Australia. All right, let's do one more here. What are the five sports to continually feature the Olympics since Athens 1896? Is it A, athletics, swimming, cycling, fencing, and gymnastics? B, athletics, swimming, archery, rowing, and fencing? Or C, athletics, swimming, badminton, football, and golf? Well, I can tell you it's not C. Um, That's a good question because um, I would personally think archery is one of these ones that's probably been around a lot longer, but would rowing have been in every Olympics? And I feel gymnastics surely would have been in every... I'm going to say A. I would say A. I would I would. second that. You go You second that. Uh, yeah, correct. Look at that. Uh, there you go. All right, well, if you want to keep playing this game, folks, go to you. But the thing that I've mentioned to Jared, now I don't know if this is going to be the case for all of the fan messages. If you want to send a fan message to your Australian Olympic athletes, you got to pay $10 this time around. Uh, I'm seeing here you click on Team Oz Virtual Stand, and for $10 what you get is the ability to send an athlete a message. You get a personalised graphic for social media. You do also get an invitation to join a call with an Aussie Olympian. That's not bad. And a $10 voucher for the Australian Olympic team shop. Now, I've seen the prices. on. I bought something from the Australian Olympic team shop. $10 not going to get you much. Um, I'm a bit disappointed here, Jared. I, I really hope this is just something that they're fixing before the opening ceremony. Because, as you said off air, if this is their way of whittling down the crap messages, and just hire a moderator, right?
0: Yeah, I suppose it's one way to get an interview with an athlete. True. We could get the Campbells on. <laughs> you know, why not? Kate Brunty, welcome, you suck. Welcome to off the podium. Fifty percent off price for that one,
1: I'd hope. Look, um, I, I think we need to chip in. If this is mm, the only way we can set $3.33 each during these games, we could do that a couple of days, couldn't we?
0: Yeah, well I think we've gotta keep the gotta keep the tradition going somehow. I mean, we had such such success at the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Still have that didn't. message to Cam about the Segway in Latvia. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, um, and yeah, every single one was. I mean, did we end up sending one to every single athlete? Because there's only a team of like. 40 or 50 so it's pretty yeah, I don't think we're gonna do it to 480 odd athletes this time around but uh hey I'm always up for a challenge but yeah uh, I I'm, I'm hoping that this team Oz fan hub it's a nice little idea obviously you know obviously given that it's a little bit tricky now not a lot of fans can well, no fans can go over to the Olympics of course uh but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see but also here they've got the uh the Tokyo podcast you can listen to there'd be nice if the AOC were listening you can sort of link us on there that would be pretty good as well links to the social media there as well they've got a nice little video there from Andrew Hoy waving to everyone uh, there on the the website, which is great. So uh, yeah, and also if you go to the Australian Olympic website, they've got a list of all the live sites that you can actually go and watch. I was very tempted to go into Hobart tonight and go to the there's a live site in Hobart, but I kind of thought would there be anyone there in Hobart looking at Brisbane doing it? But uh, for Sydney, uh, not proceeding. So you can't go to one. <laughs> I just love you. They've got all these live sites, you know, everywhere like Brisbane, Queensland, Northern Territory, Hobart, Far North, Queensland, Sydney, not proceeding. Uh, So you're screwed, Jared. Start your own, maybe.
0: little bit of payback for the uh, origin loss, that feels like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, obviously I, I do like kind of the engagement there. they're at least trying to do there. Um, did you watch any of the the events today, Jared, and kind of if you did, what was your take on anything you did see today? And also the, the lack of crowds as well. It's sort of interesting already to see it. Yeah, it is
0: a bit weird. I did catch a little bit of the uh, the soccer between um, uh, Great Britain and Chile. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting. Neither yeah. team. I, was, I suppose I was kind of, I mean, cheering on Chile by default. <laughs> um, so not the result I wanted, but um, just exciting that sports it's already kicked off and it's live. But it is definitely a little bit weird without the crowds there.
1: Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what we we're saying about do we want the dubbed sound or not. I'm still one for no. I, I, I It's kind of, it's unique. Like, I, I, I would love to, you know, in, when we we're at the Brisbane Olympics and they're showing highlights from Tokyo 2020, like, that's the games with no fans. Like, I mean, you know, we had that in Athens, but you could hear like two of the people in the crowd, but um. Yeah, it's kind of very unique, and kind of you'll always be able to pinpoint that a little bit more when it comes to those games. I'm just, I'm just, I've got the Canada Japan game on right now. Twenty minutes into the first half, and uh, Canada's still leading, one nothing. So uh, let's go, Team Canada, Jared. This will be the last time. This is officially the last time we will be speaking until the opening ceremony and 9pm uh, for Australia, Eastern standard time. If you're wondering what time it does start, if you're listening in Collins time zone in Canada, that will be a nice 6am start for you in uh, central uh, time there in Canada, 8pm local time in Tokyo. I've read that it's a three hour extravaganza. So you and I will be uh, jumping online at about midnight to talk about this, but uh, any, any last minute thoughts. I know we gave our predictions the other, other night, but uh it's exciting. I mean, let's be honest, we're, we're, we're basically 48 hours away from an Olympic Games starting. It's it's such a great and exciting feeling, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm extremely pumped.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's got a lot of hype to live up to, um, which is just, I suppose, the nature of it being delayed a year. Um, but I think they can do it. And for all the stupid news outlets trying to give us an exclusive sneak peek of the opening <laughs> ceremony, who wants that?
1: Yeah, I don't get these. Like, I don't get the exclusive sneak peek and like people saying like even the uh, the Olympic app, the official Tokyo app, are like oh, inside the opening ceremony, and it's just it's it's nothing. There was there was nothing of note there. But even hmm. if they right now were like leaked the entire, I wouldn't want to watch it. It takes away from the fun of it, doesn't it? Yeah. Which, I look, I, I was lucky enough to go to the, one of the dress rehearsals for the, the Gold Coast opening ceremony and, you know, they're there and they're like, oh, hush, hush, like don't say anything. And, you know, I, I, I assume most people didn't. But it was, it, was, it was a unique thing being there and seeing it beforehand. I still watched it on TV and kind of not quite the same, obviously, as it would be being there in the um, actual opening ceremony itself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I would not want to be spoiled for it. I'm trying to see if there's any predictions, any bets on who will light the cauldron uh right now but um basically the answers here so i'm on japan.com japan today.com and it's got voices in japan have your say who do you think will like the olympic cauldron at friday night's tokyo opening ceremony the comments include couldn't say we're in a pandemic and haven't been following it don't care get the cursed thing over with uh, somebody's got a former prime minister. Shinzo, are they? Okay. Um, and a Japanese prime minister wearing a Luigi costume. In all honesty, though, I'd rather have someone wearing a Pikachu costume to run and light the torch than to see anyone not meaningful enough. Um, there you go. I was actually going to mention this. As a tennis fan, uh, and somebody's here predicted, what about Naomi Osaka? You think she's in with the, the shot? Bit of a national icon there, and uh, kind of somebody who obviously would uh, love to take away a home gold medal?
0: I don't think so. And that'd be a weird one, Uh, given the year that she's had. um, Yeah, I feel like it'd almost be hypocritical for her to step up onto that stage to be in such a prominent position. Um, So I think, no, I feel like she'll just be focusing on uh, the tennis and we probably won't hear much about her or of her until that event. There is that judo uh,
1: athlete. I don't know if you say judo player, judo fighter. Uh, I believe um, has, has they not won like about three or four in a row or something like that. Um, I, I'm trying to. I, I I I can't remember if it's male or female. And this is. I, I feel very embarrassed right now. But I know there is a Japanese judo judoa who who is who's won multiple in a row. So um, there's a possibility. And I, I, I feel like a terrible Olympic fan to not be able to remember who they are. But, um, look, I don't know my Japanese athletes that well. Uh, I mean, if you were to choose a sport, like, baseball's huge there. Maybe you've got a huge baseball player with baseball returning back to the Olympics. Maybe they could be like Barcelona instead of the arrow. They could, like, a pitch a baseball into the cauldron and poof, there it goes. Um, or if it is Naomi Osaka, like, a serve, like, an ace straight into the cauldron. Like, I'm trying to picture it now because... As I've said the other day, as you said, as Colin said, can we have a good opening ceremony? That's all I want. I want to I want to sit here in a couple of days' time with you and Colin with a smile on my face and go, fuck, that was great. That was a great opening ceremony. Like, come on. That's all we want, right? That's all we want.
0: Yeah. It needs to feel like it's flown by instead of feeling like it is three hours long.
1: Yeah. With no crowd, no engagement like that, there's got to be something a little bit special, but... Uh, We will have all that for you directly after the opening ceremony. It'll be a late night for Jared and I, but it's worth it when there's an Olympics coming on there. So, in the meantime, if you've enjoyed our episode tonight and you want to send us any questions or any comments, your guesses for any of the opening ceremony, anything along those lines, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hashtag OTP on Twitter and Instagram. And you can, of course, send us a message or comment to us on Facebook as well. And uh, we read everything that we get and uh, we will go to all of those along the way as well. But we are so Excited. Big day for Australia. 2032. We are officially hosting our third Olympic Games. Great day to be an Olympic fan. And less than 48 hours now to go until the opening ceremony kicks off. Go Matilda's tonight. As I said, by the time this is uh, released, uh, no doubt the Matilda's game would have been done and won. Hopefully, if we lose to New Zealand. Oof, I don't know how I'm going to be uh, The opening ceremony of the greatest thing in the world But that might take a while to recover from Jared, always a pleasure mate, thank you so much And uh, yes, bring on 2032 Yeah, bring on
0: 2032 Bring on the opening ceremony Bring on the games
1: Bring on the games indeed Thanks very much for joining us For Off the Podium, we will speak to you next time Good night Yanni. mi ani ga remin yangi ani lugulang yangi gemu gamelu mi ani